Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. You know, I just refuse to not talk about and hear what everybody's talking about out there. That, that's the thing. I, I want to be a church that is faithful to say, okay, that's great what he said. That's awesome what she said. But what does God have to say to us through the word? I will validate your opinion. I will be a very active listener. Like, mm-hmm, yes, wow, yeah, okay, mm, that's good. But at the end of the day, we have to put a lens over top of our perspectives called the scriptures. And we have to look at our situation. We have to look at our circumstance. We have to look at our season through the lens of Scripture. And anything that does not line up to the truth that God has revealed through His Word needs to be tossed in the trash compactor and turned to high gear. How many of you guys would like to live your life without fear? Put the lens of scripture in front of everything you look at because God tells us 365 times in the Bible to fear not, meaning it was probably pretty important for us to walk around with freedom from the spirit of fear. Because we have the Holy Spirit, God says, we have not received a spirit of fear, but we have received a spirit of power, of love, and what else? A sound, stable, strong, and secure mind. Meaning our mind is not tossed to and fro. We're not double-minded. We're not confused. We're not hesitant. We're not timid. We are confident knowing that God is who he says he is. He is able to do what he says he is able to do. He is completely consistent in fulfilling his promises towards us. And he is greater than anything going on in the culture right now. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Right? If God be for us, who can be against us? If, if God be for you, what sickness, what disease, what plague, what cancer can be against you? If God be for you, there is nothing that can stand in the path of the righteous. We've never seen the righteous forsaken. Brian sang it this morning. And I'm telling you guys, it's important that we come to the house of God so that we can be renewed and refreshed in the reality of who God is and who you are. I told the first service, I said, you know, we just need to refresh our browser. Because I don't know about you guys, but what's coming through my feed is a whole lot of fear. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting like slapped in the forehead every five minutes by fear. As soon as you refresh that browser, it's like some more bad news. That's why the gospel is called good news. We just need to refresh the browser and we need to read the good news because no matter what's going on in the world and no matter what bad report we get from the commentators, we always have good news to go to through the word. We always have a superior reality to turn to in the kingdom of God. We always have a greater truth to turn to in the person of Jesus. And this is who God is to you. This is who God is to us, to this family. And this is what God has said. You don't have to be afraid. I'm not being controversial. I'm just, you know, saying this is what the Bible said. Y'all think I'm being controversial yet? Well, just buckle up because I'm going to get there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sometimes I actually, can I be honest with you guys? Can I have a vulnerable pastor a moment? I'm like, man, if I shared, you know, if I share these things, man, people are going to get upset with me. You know, if I push back, if I go against the grain, people will be angry at me. At the end of the day, it's like, you know what? It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I think about what in Acts, you know, it says, uh, should we obey men or should we obey God? We're just going to have to obey God and let the chips fall where they may. And we know God has something to say about our gatherings. And so we're just going to gather. So I guess, is that cool? You guys cool with it? All the staff is like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you get paid to be here. You have to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I really am excited to be in the house, Lord. We've not been here for two weeks. You know, I went to Disney this past week. 
It was cool. Uh, it's like very magical, you know. Um, it, was, it was fun. We enjoyed it. We, we celebrated Thanksgiving in front of the Magic Kingdom Castle. I got me one of them turkey legs in front of the Hall of Presidents. Anybody ever been to the Hall of Presidents? But you don't remember it because you nap during it. Me too. I get it, you know. I get it. We did that for Thanksgiving. But I have missed you guys. And that's the reason for this rant to kick this message off. Is I've missed you guys. I miss you. I miss the house of the Lord. I miss what we get to experience in here all together in the presence of God. There's no place like the local church. There's nothing that can replace the local church. There's no substitute for the breakthrough that I receive in the local church. And uh, so I just want to remind you guys that you are a part of something and it is awesome. You know, whenever I was, uh, you know, pursuing my wife, I really, really liked to show up in places that I knew she would be. But I would pretend like I didn't know she was going to show up there. You know what I'm talking about? Like you show up and you're like, oh, what's up? Hey, I didn't know you were going to be here. You come here often? Okay, cool. How you know these guys? That's awesome. Okay. What's happening? You want to hang out? That's, that's kind of the reason that I go to church, because I know that Jesus likes to hang out here. And, you know, like if you're stalking the spirit, you can go to the local church every Sunday like, oh, hey, you like to show up here. Didn't realize you were going to be here, but now you're here and I'm here. And so maybe you want to hang out. God is so faithful to show up in his house. If he wasn't, there wouldn't be nothing to this. This would be a YMCA. This would be a Lions Club. This would be an Elk Club. This would be, I don't know, some other type of club. It'd be a downtown club. I don't know. But it wouldn't be that cool. The local church is awesome because of Jesus. Like the local church has one thing really going for it. It's called Jesus. <laughs> He's called Jesus, and he shows up here every Sunday. So I just want to invite you guys to come back because uh, Jesus is going to be here, and a lot of cool people are going to be here, and, um, and a lot of nice people are going to be here. So you, sometimes you can't say cool because then automatically people translate that out as mean. What happened with that, you know? People have told me before, I don't belong in your church. It's too cool. I'm like, then I don't. Like, I'm not even cool anymore. I have three kids. I can't afford cool. I don't have designer money anymore. What do you? <laughs> Some of y'all like I ain't got designer money now. I ain't got no kids. But we are nice. I know sometimes when I invite people to church, they're like, "What's your church like?" I'm like, "One, we're nice. Two, we're fun." come to church. <laughs> no, it's so much fun. I am really so happy to be here. All right, you guys want to dive into the word today? Yeah. All right, so go ahead, put your thumb in your Bible. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. We're going to read one verse of scripture to get started. And I'm going to continue talking about the topic of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Specifically, agreement prayer. Everybody say agreement prayer. Agreement prayer, a type of prayer, a biblical type of prayer, and a way to pray that will cause all of your prayers to be answered 100% of the time. I don't think you guys caught that. How many of you would love it if your prayers were answered 100% of the time, like every single time you prayed, you knew that you knew that you knew that God had responded to your request and was moving into action on your behalf. How many of you would love that? How many of you would pray more if you knew that would be the result? If every single time you approached God in the place of prayer, you knew that the Spirit was going to respond, how many of you guys would never neglect the place of prayer? I know it's a little hard to admit that, right? But listen, if we pray these types of prayers, God guarantees that he will be moved to action on your behalf. And these types of prayers are called agreement Prayers. Everybody say agreement prayers. Agreement prayer is praying the will of God. I know a lot of times we think about prayer as being a monologue, 
But prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. In fact, praying has more. Everybody say has more. I want to make sure you get this. Praying has more to do with listening than it does talking. You guys believe me? Because I know sometimes, uh, although Jesus has taught us, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done, God, we are praying like this. My kingdom come, Lord. My will be done, God, in my life as I desire it to be so in my heart. Come on, God. It's almost as if we grab Jesus by the arm and attempt to twist it behind his back and get him to cry uncle and give up and finally give us what we've been bugging him about. And that's what we think of when we think of consistent prayer. You are not a bother to the Father. That's a good bumper sticker right there. Somebody ought to just say, I am not a bother to the Father. Y'all help me preach this, 11 a.m. I am not a bother to the Father. No, no. Actually, God wants me to approach him so badly that he sent his one and only son to die 2,000 years ago on a cross on Mount Golgotha for my sins so that I could approach him boldly through grace, knowing that I'm accepted, not on the basis of anything that I have done right, but everything that Jesus did on my behalf. Now, guys, that is the good news. That's the gospel. God wants to be welcomed into our lives, and he longs to welcome us into his. God's greatest desire is that he become your greatest desire. It's something important for us to remember. And so prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is not shaking your fist and shouting at heaven, hoping to convince God to do what you need. God knows what you need long before you ever pray and ask him for it. That's what the Bible says, right? But prayer is more of a dialogue. Prayer is not convincing God to do anything. Prayer is listening to discern the will of God so that you can pray in alignment with God's will so that your prayers are answered 100% of the time. You see what I'm saying? Prayer is going to God and listening. Yes, we bring our issues to God. We bring our struggles to God. We bring our problems to God. But not so that God can do what we demand that he do in regards to our struggles. But so that we can listen to his perspective on those struggles. And begin to pray out his perspective. And begin to pray out his will for transformation. And begin to partner with the Holy Spirit so that what we're praying in the spiritual realm what we're praying in the supernatural, what we're praying in the secret place actually has an effect on the natural. It actually has an effect on the world. It actually has an effect on our circumstance because we're praying the will of the Father, not praying our own personal will to be delivered of temporary pain or discomfort, which is so important. It is so important that we learn to pray the will of God if we want to see fruitfulness come as a result of our time spent praying. I can tell you one of the ways uh, to guarantee to not see breakthrough with your prayer is always constantly pray your will, never listen, and then get angry when God doesn't do when, what you demand and then complain to other people and say prayer doesn't work. Prayer works. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves things in the spirit. Prayer changes the atmosphere. Prayer uh, causes things to become different each and every time we pray. It's a, it's, it, that's the way that it is with prayer, but we have to pray rightly. So we need to pray agreement prayers. Everybody say agreement, agreement. prayers. The prayer, of the, the prayer of agreement releases something that is special and specific into the invisible realm that touches the visible realm. Agreement prayer is forming a partnership with God that employs the prayer of faith as we open new doors, shut old doors, and release supernatural power through powerful intercession. That's what agreement is. Agreement is synergy. If you ever heard the word synergy, synergy is the working together of two things to produce an effect greater than the sum of their individual parts. 
advantageous agreement. It's advantageous agreement that results in a greater outcome. How many of you would like your prayers to function in that way? Advantageous agreements between heaven and earth that result in a greater outcome of your time spent praying. I think it would be very hard to pull us out of the secret place if we saw instantaneous or, uh, you know, just crazy, awesome, impactful type results of our praying. I think it'd be very hard to stop us from praying. But I think one of the reasons why we don't pray is not because we, it's not that we don't know uh, that we should pray, it's because we don't know how to pray in the right way to get results. Does that make sense? It's not that it's like, oh, I should pray. I should pray. I should pray, but I don't pray. And we ask these questions like, what's the ROI of prayer anyway? The return on investment. Oh, well, God, if I pray, what are you going to do? It's approaching God in the wrong way. I think if we'd approach it from the standpoint of God, I'm not looking to convince you to agree with me. I'm coming submitted to you, submitted to your will, because I want to agree with your will, and then I'll pray from that position. I'm telling you guys, you'd, we'd see a lot more fruit. And I think that would cause us to become addicted to prayer. I want you to become obsessed with prayer. I want to be addicted to prayer. I want to be the type of person that prays about everything. Until it's obnoxious. Because, it's, because I believe that anytime I pray, God moves. The more you pray, the more it guarantees you pray rightly. Let, let me say that again. It's, I think it's actually noteworthy. You can write it down. The more you pray, I, I, this is just my own opinion, okay? The more that it guarantees you pray rightly, because the closer you get to the heart of God, the more often you naturally pray, pray within the will of God. You guys get what I'm saying? Because you know his heart. I know, I know my wife's heart probably nine times out of ten on any particular topic because I have intimacy with her. Hey, hey, hey. Um, you, you see what I'm saying? Like we're closely connected, right? So I, but I don't have to call her in regards to, you know, any particular thing I'm experiencing outside of our house, right? I spend a lot of time in prayer. It's kind of the same situation outside of the place of prayer. I'm I'm ready to pray. I've been relating. I've been connected to the Holy Spirit. I've discerned the heart of God on the issue. You guys get what I'm saying? Is this too long of an introduction? You guys ready to read the scripture? I've been talking about a lot of stuff already. Sorry, not sorry. We want to pray within the will of God. That's agreement praying. What is praying in the opposite of the will of God? That's called witchcraft prayer. Yeah, so when you pray in opposition to the will of God, you're praying witchcraft prayers. It doesn't mean that what you're praying has no effect in the spiritual realm. It's just, it's just the wrong spirit. It's one of the things my pastor taught me, Pastor Jonathan Suber. He grew up in West Africa in Cote d'Ivoire in the birthplace of voodoo. And so he would teach me all the time, you better make sure that you're praying within the will of God because if you're praying in opposition to the will of God, you ain't doing nothing but witchcraft. And and that leads to confusion, right? So Matthew chapter uh, 18, verse 19 says, Again, I say to you, that if two of you on earth concerning anything uh, agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. The message version says it like this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and you make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. That's good. Uh, and then another version says it like this. Again, assuredly, I'm saying to you, if two of you upon the earth are in agreement, Concerning every matter of which they ask that something be given, it shall become theirs from the presence of my Father who is in heaven. Now that is good. That means that there is a power in agreement. There is a supernatural power in agreement. When you choose to agree with the Father through your prayers, there is a supernatural power that you tap into that affects the natural realm that affects the earth, that affects your circumstance. That is a powerful way to pray, and that is a guaranteed way to have effect upon your world through your prayers. Praying in agreement with the Father. Now, let's define agreement from the Bible. Two Greek words. um, One is called symphoneo, and uh, the second is stokeo. But the way you say stokeo is like sto... (laughs) I can't do it. So... 
That's all you're getting, okay? So symphoneo, the first Greek word is this, to be in agreement with in unison or in one accord. Where have we heard that before, right? Acts chapter 2. They were in one mind and in one accord. Now, I don't know how they fit all those people in one Honda, but they did it. Uh, to spit... To speak together with, sorry, preacher joke, to speak together with agreement, harmonious and united, to agree with and declare statements that are agreed upon, to champion the same view or vision agreed upon, to regard something as settled and to reach agreement. So God says in his word, whenever we symphonio, I don't know, I've forgotten how to say it in Greek, symphaeo or something like that. Yeah, you guys got it. If you speak Greek in here, tell me afterwards. Um, is that that's why he says there's so much power in this. When we get together and we decide on one vision, when we've heard from heaven and we say this is what God wants to do in our midst, and then we take that into prayer in agreement all together, that activates something on our behalf in the spirit where God goes to work in our reality and it changed the outcome of our situation. That's the reality of the power of your prayers. And he says, agree with me and agree with each other. Here's the second one, stokeo. Uh, it means to be in line. It means to agree. It means to stand as one. And I love this illustration. It means to fall into the line of footprints. Yeah, wow. So I think it's pretty cool. To hold true, to stay in agreement with what has been spiritually attained. And so putting those two different Greek terms, different Greek words uh, together, we come up with the conceptual definition, which is this, to be in agreement is to be in unity, speaking and championing the same vision. It is to stand as one, holding true to what has been agreed upon. This is the power of agreement prayers. Now, when we talk about agreeing with God in our praying, I have seven points here, okay? Uh, they are foundational type points, meaning one builds upon the other, on how to practice uh, just great praying. I mean, this is a great way to pray. Agreement praying. It's how we can guarantee that our prayers have an actionable effect when we pray. It's praying in agreement. So I'm going to give you seven pillars of agreements, and I'm going to start with the first and build upon the rest of them. Are we good? Yeah. So here is the first one. It is praying in agreement with Scripture. Whoa. All right, so if I haven't said anything controversial thus far, I've said something controversial now because we are declaring the authority of God's word in the scripture in our lives. And that, my friends, is very, very controversial. Now, I've been preaching full-time now for 15 years, uh, pastoring coming up on a decade next year, Hey, let's go. And this is what I've noticed about people that I've pastored. When they start to toss out singular scriptures in the word of God that they don't like or they disagree with, it is not long before they toss out the entire book. I've, just, I've noticed that. It's just my observation over the past decade that people start cherry picking passages and they say, you know what, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Well, God wasn't consulting with you when he wrote it. Uh, he knew you wouldn't agree with a large quantity of what he put in his word, and that's one of the reasons why he put it there, so that you could be challenged, so that you could be convicted, so that you could repent, and so that you could be transformed into his image, into a person of maturity that makes a difference and changes the world with him through your praying. Amen? So that's why we have the word. This is what the word does. The scriptures are to be agreed with because the scriptures are God's words. They are true. They are proven. They are inspired by God. And they are an authoritative guide for us to know God. Let me give you some scriptures on this. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, the infamous passage of scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for, the, for instruction in righteousness. Then we have 2 Peter 1.21, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got our Bible. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. I wish I had a T.D. Jakes voice for that last scripture. 
the grass withers and the flower fades. You guys ever listen to T.D. Jakes preach? Because he always sneaks that right into his prayers. Have you ever seen that? But the word of God <laughs> will last forever. And he's, he's not even got through his prayer and people are already standing up like. I need you guys to do that one Sunday. Just surprise me, okay? Appreciate that. The scriptures are dependable. They are trustworthy. They have authority as God's will towards us. Uh, they possess the supreme right to define what we are as believers and how we are to conduct our lifestyles. That's all there in the Word of God. Psalm chapter 18, verse 30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I forgot to tell you guys, I got a whole lot of Bible, which actually guarantees that this will be a good sermon. Um, but the Word of God is your trust. You agree with the Word of God as God's Word to you. Yeah. Uh, one of the most effective ways of praying in agreement with God's will is to pray the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you, ever, do you ever stop to think about the fact that the way that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the way that he overcame temptation and defeated the devil was by quoting Scripture? Yeah. Hold on. Wait just a second. You mean to tell me that Jesus, who is God to be certain, overcame the devil by quoting Scripture? And yet we look at it as though it is not necessary or somehow replaceable or somehow not as important. And, you know, we can shout at the enemy and we can rebuke them and we can step into our authority. And yet Jesus did not embody that as an example for how to overcome Satan. He said, listen, when you want to kick the devil in the teeth, here's how you do it. It is written. I ain't giving you my opinion, Satan. It is written. I'm not even trying to just shout into the darkness. I'm telling you, it is written. If you want to get really good at spiritual warfare, get really good at studying the Bible. <laughs> if you want to get really good at plundering hell, get really good at memorizing Scripture. If you want to get really good at praying, Get really good at using the Bible. Because I'm telling you right now, the one thing that Satan hates more than you is when you start using the Word of God against his lies. Because he knows there is no way in hell that he has any ability to overcome when God says something. Oh, okay, yeah, I heard what you said, devil. It is written. <laughs> There ain't no better way to tell the devil to shut up than it is written. If you want to learn how to prophesy, here's the best way to learn. It is written. I don't know how to prophesy. Well, lay your hands on somebody and say, hey, look, it's written. If you don't know how to prophesy into your circumstance, just open up your Bible and say, all right, it's written. This is the word of God. I am praying in agreement with God's revealed will for me through his word. It can't be wrong. It can never go wrong. It's never going to fail. It's truth. It lasts forever. There's no end to his reign. There's no end to his government. It's not going to expire. It doesn't return to him void. We're simply praying in agreement with God's will by praying through the scripture. That's number one. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to grow in faith, how are you going to grow in faith? Come on, church family. Y'all get with me here. If you want to grow in faith, how are you going to grow in faith apart from the Bible? You can't. You won't because the Bible never contradicts itself. 
And I know there's things that we talk about truth held intention. There's different perspectives that are revealed. And all those things are intentional because it's not just about reading pages, uh, you know, about reading words on a page. It's about reading words on a page with somebody, with the Holy Spirit. Because we read the Bible not to become, uh, you know, just have better head knowledge, but to, to have a better relationship with a person. Right? Because reading the Bible is like reading a diary. Right? I mean, if I found my wife's diary when we were dating, I would read it, but I wouldn't tell her. Right? Wouldn't you do that? Like if, you've, if Seth wrote a diary, you know, with a little locket, and it's like a gold clasp, like, yeah, fuzzy thing, and he had a pink pen next to it with a, the with a heart on top that said bliss. And you found that, right? <laughs> would you read it? 100%. You may not tell him you'd read it. Kristen's like, I would not read that. But I would read it. I wouldn't tell her I read it. But why would you want to read it? Because you would want to get to know them. You want to know everything about them. Oh, my gosh. You mean to tell me I can get to know them? This is awesome. And then you could use that information, you know, to your advantage. I'm taking you for Froyo. How'd you know I like Froyo? Just a hunch, I guess. (laughs) You can do that with the Lord. Right? It's in the Bible right there. It's tell us all about him. I love love God. You don't read the Bible. (laughs) Hold on, wait. That's a contradiction. There needs to be a revival of the Bible. Second rhyme today. Man, this mixtape about to be fire. Okay, I got to move on to the second point. We ain't got that much time. (laughs) Point two, we're building on the word, agreeing with the word. I'm agreeing with the word. Now, you know what I'm agreeing on next? God's promises. I'm agreeing with God's promises. I'm agreeing with God's promises for me. I'm agreeing with God's promises for my family. I'm agreeing with God's promises for my income. I'm agreeing with God's promises for my career. I'm agreeing with God's promises for my ministry. I'm agreeing with God's promises for my parents, for my kids, for my music, for my new album, for my new single, for my new project. For my new opera, I'm agreeing with God's promises over my life and I'm standing on it in prayer and I'm saying, God, you said. God, you promised. You said. So you just repeat back to the, back to the Lord everything he's shared to you. You said, God, you said. God is our promiser, guys. Church, he is a promiser. He pledges to us to do certain things that he has declared in his word and he has given you the right to expect him to show up and follow through and fulfill his promises in your life. He cannot fail. He is God. He is the ruler. He is supreme. He is omnipotent. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not? not make it good that's who God is and that's what God does Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that has been set before us it is impossible for God to lie to you Titus 1 and 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised this to us before time even began. Wow. Wow. God is a promiser. And here's the good news, church. He comes through 100% of the time. God is batting a 1,000 in my life. He never strikes out. And God has promised that. Uh, promised, and we are to be in agreement with his promises, church, believing and standing on his word. Uh, Jeremiah 33 and 14, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel. What has God promised you? Hebrews 10 and 23, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Wow. Come on. 1 Kings 8 and 56, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promises, which he has promised. <laughs> you just read the Bible and get encouraged. Isaiah 46, 11, uh, indeed I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. 
I have purposed it, therefore I will do it. What? That is what God has promised. So what has God promised you? And if you're thinking today, God hasn't promised me anything, you just got to read the Bible. There's plenty of things in there. Just pick one. They're all pretty good. It's great. And then you stand on it and you say, God, you promised you've never seen your seed begging bread and I can't afford to pay my bills. So I'm standing on your promise and I'm believing. You promised in your word that if I ask you for bread, you wouldn't give me a stone. So God, I need some money. I need some food. I need, you know, you promised, and so I'm just simply reciting to you what you've already spoken to me. You're not a man that you should lie. I just want you to know I believe it. I'm just reminding you that I trust in it, and I'm praying in agreement with your will, and I'm asking that this be done. And then you call somebody, you get them to agree with you, and boom, groceries show up. And you don't believe me? I've had so many people testify. I've had so many people share, this was my situation, this was my circumstance, and this is what happened. I stood on the promise of God, and guess what? God showed up with his promises because that's what he does. He's not a man that he should lie. That's number two. Number three is this, agreement with the Holy Spirit. Agreement with the Holy Spirit is to recognize that the Holy Spirit's presence in your life is a powerful endowment of wisdom, of power, of strength. He is there as an illuminator. He's there as an energizer. He's there as an enabler. You have the Holy Spirit that has been sent to you by God. It's, it's from God. He's been sent to you by God. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17 says, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever which is the spirit of truth. It's what the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. That right there is a chunk of gold if we will apply it to our, 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 our current cultural circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys hear what it said about truth? Uh, the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The world has no capacity to receive the spirit of truth because it doesn't know Jesus. You know Jesus, therefore you have the capacity to receive the help of the Holy Spirit to discern and to confess truth. Amen. That is the capacity you have. And I know right now that is the confusion that we have because we're constantly asking ourselves, who's telling the truth? Wow. Right? Who's is it that news outlet? Is it this media network? Is it this person on social media? Is it that pundit? Is it this guy? Is it that doctor? You know, we're all asking, what is truth? Here's the great news, church. You have been given the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to you as the helper so that you could receive the spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive unless they've received Jesus. This is what you have that has taken up residence on the inside of you. I don't know about you, but I think it'd be awesome if I could walk around and do life with Jesus. Like literally like he was here in the flesh, you know, with his seamless robe and everything. You know, like just hanging out with Jesus. Like I'd see so many miracles hanging out with Jesus. You ever thought that before? Like I'd preach so good. Like if Jesus was right here, you know. Man, I'd probably raise the dead if Jesus was right here. Because Jesus, man, Jesus, dude, he's awesome. He's powerful. He can do so many things. And yet, Jesus said, no, no, it's actually better for you that I ascend to the Father and I give you the Holy Spirit who is the helper. It is actually better that I go because you're not just going to get me with you, you're going to get me in you. Which is better than having me with you, it's having me in you. It's having the same spirit that I have on the inside of you. You're not just walking around with me, me possessed by this spirit. I'm walking around through you because you're possessed by this same spirit. No longer do you have to go, you know, into the holies of holies in the temple to commune and fellowship with the spirit. I'm actually releasing the holies of holies. I'm releasing the Holy Spirit. I'm releasing the spirit of truth. I'm releasing the helper. And you don't have to go in and, you know, shut yourself up. But I'm actually going to go in. I'm going to shut myself up inside of your body. And I'm going to walk around through you. That is who you are. What? It's like little John. What? Are you serious? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around. <laughs> Luke, sorry. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? 
to those who ask him. Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Agreement with the Holy Spirit is to listen and to believe the voice of the Holy Spirit in your inner heart. And I'm going to build on that next. The Holy Spirit quickens. The Holy Spirit illuminates, meaning the Holy Spirit gives you revelation concerning the Bible, the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit speaks words to you. And the Holy Spirit gives you dreams. The Holy Spirit gives you visions. And the Holy Spirit confirms your path as you walk in your purpose. We agree with the Holy Spirit and we pray in agreement with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 says, Who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Acts 13 verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit speaks about our purposes, our destination, our directions. Acts 15 28, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than, those, than these necessary things. There's going to be times as you pray you'll be like, it feels good to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to articulate it. I just feel joy. I just feel peace. I feel, I, I feel peace in the Holy Spirit. This is the way I'm going to walk in it. I agree with you, Holy Spirit. And that leads us into the next point, point four, which is agreement with your own heart. Now, this right here is not, not incredibly culturally contemporary because a lot of times what we see is folks with a divided heart. They're up one day and down the next. Their emotions are like a roller coaster at Disney World, Slinky Dog, which I waited in line for two hours for. And somebody got really mad at my kid because kids don't understand social distancing. But whatever, that's an, I, I forgave him and blessed him with wisdom, Lord. And so you guys know what I'm talking about. It's, it's being decided. It's being disciplined. It's being consistent. The Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart this thing, and I am not moving off of this thing until, until I see God take action in my life and I bear fruit on the basis of what God has already spoken. I'm not going to stop praying out of temporary discomfort and complain that my prayers no longer work. No, God is moving in the Spirit as I move into the place of prayer in the natural, and I will not allow my heart to be divided. I will ensure that my heart is solely focused. I will not move off of the will of God for my life. I will continue to pray. Be in agreement with your own heart. Uh, plenty of scriptures on that. Second Chronicles 16 and 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Psalm 20 and 4, may he grant you according to your heart's desire. Psalm 27 and 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, God, your face, O Lord, will I seek. Be decided in your heart. Agreement with your heart is to keep your heart clean. Agreement with your heart is to keep your heart strong in a state of spiritual flow because your heart is where your treasure lies for your future. So we keep a clean hands and a pure heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4, Proverbs 4, 4 and 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of your life. Proverbs 16, 23. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Now, there's an interesting agreement, an agreement between your heart and your mouth. Now, there's an interesting agreement. Psalm uh, 119 and 11 says, Thy word, O Lord, I have hidden, where? In my heart. And so I'm ensuring that I'm speaking the words that God has deposited into this place here, my heart. And so I have an agreement between my heart and my mouth. Luke 2 and 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her Right? Romans 8, 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There's a lot of Bible in here that's pretty good. I'd listen to the podcast. Here's number five. I'm going to move quick. Agreement with prayer partners. Agreement prayer is powerful. When two or more people get together, and they think in one accord for whomever or whatever they are agreeing for. 
For thus, the more people in prayer agreement, the more significant the results. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30 says, How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had uh, sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? Acts chapter 1, verse 14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with women and the Mary of mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Acts 2, verse 1 and 2, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Acts 4, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 4, verse 30, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Wow. Prayer partners, getting in agreement with other people. Agreement, prayer with prayer partners activates one of the greatest principles of power in the kingdom of God, which is the power of agreement. Prayer partners together can pull down strongholds. They can touch lives. They can change churches. They can engage in spiritual warfare. They can transform cities. They can turn the tides of history. They can move in the nations. They can move within the seven spheres of society. These are the things that agreement in prayer accomplishes. That's We go back to the beginning scripture, right? If you, t if you touch anything, two or three of you guys, my father goes to work in heaven on your behalf. You agree. You symphoneo. You stoke ko or whatever. <laughs> Prayer partners can be friends or people that are drawn together to pray for any particular purpose or for a person like your pastor. Amen. Listen, we need, we need prayer coverage. I'm going to be the first to admit it. I, I covet your prayers. I need your prayer coverage. My kids need your prayer coverage. We're pioneering. I'm praying for you. Because I, I know as I pioneer, I take you into places as a result of you belonging to this church you didn't even ask to go to. I've got to be aware of the fact that you choosing to come to church here means you signing up for warfare you didn't choose. It's like, I'm going to go into some things. You know why? Because you are a part of a family that is called a presence people by God to pioneer on behalf of a generation of what it looks like to host the presence of God in Worship City, USA. To do something completely significant, completely unique and special in our day and age, in this city, in this nation, in 2020. That means you're going to experience things that are going to be hard. That means you're going to face opposition. That means you will be attacked. People will gossip about you. People will try to, you know, pull you out of fellowship. They will try to get you to isolate and accept loneliness. They will try to get you to turn your back on fellowship and covenant community. But you have to choose. Say, no, this is where God has placed me. He sets the lonely in families. And I'm going to pray for my leaders. I'm going to pray for my small group leaders. I'm going to pray for the people I worship with. I'm going to pray for the worship team. I'm going to pray for you because I know that you are taking territory in the spirit. And I'm going to raise up a shield over you to pray for protection for you so that you're not sick so that you walk in the power of God, so that your marriage is healthy, so that your kids are healthy. And, and I, this is how we do it together. Agreement prayer through prayer partners. This is how we advance the kingdom of God. It's of vital importance, Romans, Romans 15 and 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers, in prayers to God for me. That is Paul. 2 Corinthians 1 and 11, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted us through many. Philippians 1, 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I know when you guys are praying for me. I feel it. It makes a difference. It means the world. And I woke up this morning at four o'clock and I felt like, the Holy Spirit reminded me, isn't it great to be a part of a praying church? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, legacy hurts for some things. <laughs> One of which is the $50,000 that we just showed you in this video. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what we, what we don't hurt for, and that is that God has sent us a faithful company yeah. of people who know how to pray. I'll tell you, that's the truth. If you want to be a part of a praying church, this is a great one to pick. 
because there are people here who know how to pray. And that is evidenced by what God has done through the ministry of the prayer room. Because that was not intentional. That was the most breakthrough we've ever had uh, as far as our reach through our church. And it was all done by accident. So I don't know how you add that up. But it sure goes to prove that God doesn't need your strength. <laughs> we're like, God, from Nashville to the nations. We declare we're going to reach people. And then the one thing we put out that we never planned on making public be, is the thing that reaches like, I don't know, was like a million people watch it a month or something. Way more than that. That's crazy. Like you sent me, uh, you sent me the minutes watched of people praying with us. What was the minutes last time you checked? 100 years. If you added up every minute, that people have watched and prayed, it, it's over a hundred years at this point. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's weird. The goodness of God offends my intellect. <laughs> All right, I got to give you the last two. Number six is this, agreement with God's greatness. Hey, listen, you need to refresh your reality. Listen, you are a part of an unshakable kingdom. It does not matter what comes against us. If God be for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter. The plagues could get worse, and it doesn't matter. Your God is still on the throne. Your God is great. You need to refresh your reality. You are serving a great God who is your Father. You are a great believer because God is your Father. This is who you are. This is who He is. We must pray from the perspective and in agreement with God's greatness to see his unlimited power because God has the power to do anything, to create anything from nothing. He has the power to sustain everything that he has created. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Nothing is too difficult for God to accomplish. There is nothing that is beyond God's capacity. That is God's greatness. That's who he is. Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created all of these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them by name by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not done yet, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all that is in my pleasure. Ephesians 3, 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we might ask, think, according to the power that works within us. That is God's greatness. J.B. Phillips, the Bible translator, uh, was well known for saying, your God is too small. <laughs> I think a surefire way to know if your God is too small is to ask yourself how impressed you are by the size of your problems. I'm not impressed. I don't have to be, I don't have to inform my God about the size of my problems. I inform my problems about the size of my God. Oh, hey, problem. I don't know if you checked, but God is great. <laughs> All right, I got to stop because I'm going to get back into a preaching moment there. And it, Listen, beholding God destroys reluctant praying. Yeah. Wow, so good. Last one, agreement with specific request. Agreement prayer necessitates a specific prayer target that is declared and prayed for with faith by the person praying. It is the faith to name specifically what it is that you are requesting. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. James 4, 2 and 3. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. That's, that's praying in opposition to the will of God. You do not have because you do not ask. Do not ever let that be your situation. It is better to pray and have God tell you no than to not pray at all. 1 Samuel 1.27, for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I have asked of him. 
If you'll do your part, God will do his part. I want to remind you, uh, George Mueller, an 1800s missionary from Germany to England, uh, started something called the Ashley Down Orphanage. And he had 1,300 orphans that were under his care. And he would often pray for the weather to change, for winds to blow south instead of west. He would pray for certain amounts of rain that was needed at specific times for the crops, for protection from epidemics like scarlet fever, typhoid fever, and smallpox. And for three years, these things plagued England, but not one of him his family or the 1,300 orphans or any of the staff got any of the sicknesses. And Mueller believed that one should ask God to increase your faith to ask for increase. An experience of habitual hanging upon the unseen God and nothing else. That's what he believed about prayer. And I believe that about prayer. You know why? Because primarily I grew up in a house that believed in prayer, but I also grew up in a spiritual house through Iris that believed in prayer. And my, I, I, I mean, I've watched my spiritual mom preach like this. We plug in the microphone out in the bush bush in Mozambique, and here's her intro. Bring me the deaf. How's that for an intro? Bring me the blind. And that's how she starts her preaching. And deaf people hear and blind people see, and I've seen it. And mute people sing, and I've seen it. She was the one who, uh, there was an outbreak of cholera in Mozambique. She walked through the cholera wards just laying hands on people. And they were getting healed. Incredibly contagious disease. She would come through and pray. I'm telling you, I think prayerlessness is a greater pandemic than coronavirus. I'm serious. I think so. I think it is. We're going to have to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray in agreement with the will of God. We got to pray in agreement with the word. We got to pray in agreement with the promises of God. We have to pray in agreement with what God has said, with what God has revealed, and keep doing it and keep going after it. That's who you are. Here was Hudson Taylor's life motto. I'll share this in closing. Hudson Taylor's life motto was this. There is a living God. He has spoken in his word. He means what he says, and he is willing and able to perform what he has promised. Wow. Isn't that a good life motto? Yeah. There is a living God. He has spoken in his word. He means what he says, and he is willing and able to perform what he has promised. There is a living God. He has spoken in his word. He means what he says, and he is willing and able to perform what he has promised. Specific request. So if you guys don't mind, let's just stand. We're going to pray. We'll pray together here. And I, I, I hope and I pray in Jesus' name that you have been equipped today to pray more effectively. If that's you, just say, that's me. We are looking to move out of this place praying in complete agreement with God's revealed will through the word and as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. I am praying and declaring over you right now, church, that you are an agreement prayer. And that you will walk in agreement this week. You will dialogue with, with heaven. Your prayers will not simply be, you know, some short version of a need. But that's fine. That's fine. That's okay. But they will also be listening. They will also be learning from God's word. They will also be meditating on the promises of God. They will, all, they, they will always be considering the greatness of God and who your father is. This is who you are. This is the type of family you belong to, and this is the type of father that you have. So, Lord, we come together right now, and I just want to ask each and every one of you guys to agree with me. We agree for revival in our church. We agree for a spiritual awakening in our church. We agree for an unprecedented hunger for your face, God. We agree for an unprecedented hunger for your word, God. We agree for an unquenchable fire that we would fan into flames the gift that has been deposited into us. There are so many people in here with a supernatural spiritual DNA that comes to them from their dads, from their moms, from their grandmas, from their grandpas, and we fan that flame 
We fan that flame, all of those uh, impartations and those prayers that were prayed over you as a child. And even if you didn't have that, and if you just grew up in church or you, you've, you've received these words from leaders, from pastors, from spiritual parents, we fan that flame. I'm telling you, just channeling the authority and the anointing that is in this room right now is enough to turn the city upside down. If we will agree with what God has revealed through his word, we agree, God. We just say, church, we agree. We agree, we agree with your will. We agree with your desires over Nashville. We agree with your purposes over legacy. We agree with your purposes over my life, over my children's life, over my job. We agree in Jesus' name. We are agreement prayers. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. amen. Grace is Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.